Hello, Mark. Well, good morning, Johnny. How are you, buddy? Um, I'm doing good. I had the weirdest dream. I have to tell you about about this dream. Okay. Is it the one where the raccoons came back? No, the rag. No, 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 no. <laughs> haven't haven't had to deal with them for a little while now. Willie Nelson driving down the wrong side of the street. No, Willie. No, but that was. Were that you was grilling a sad naked dream. with my lady again? What now? Were you grilling naked with my lady again? Oh no, no, and that wasn't a dream. That actually happened. Um, no, no. So I'm, I'm just like, I'm hanging out. Like you and I are hanging out. We're back at, I'm back at the, uh, at the ranch, uh, so to say. I'm back in the think hole. We're recording something, and for some reason, like outside is like weirdly magenta. It's like a mixture. Like it's that weird tone in the sky right where the sun has almost completely set but it's got that weird undertone to it so like everything is almost neon fucking purple okay okay and you can tell that it's kind of hazy and stuff it kind of looks like a willie nelson concert and i'm like oh great like in <laughs> dream johnny is thinking to himself like oh great another goddamn forest fire this is just great this is gonna play hell on on my throat and mark you just turned to me like in in this whole process because we're in the middle of recording something and you're just like, don't worry, I can fix this shit. I can totally fix this shit. And and uh, I, I can just, I, I can edit it. I'm a, I'm a wizard at editing. It's just what I do. And I'm like, well, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself in the dream, like, Mark is really good at editing. And for some reason, for some reason, I decide to bust into song. Do you want to okay, hear the okay. song I sang to you? You know I do. I, yes, a thousand percent. Should, yes, go, yes. Mark, king of the podcast, you edit so well. <laughs> Welcome to the Dangle Podcast. Yes. <laughs> welcome to the it. Dangle Podcast, everybody. Yes, welcome back to the Dangle Podcast, the weekly King of the Hill retrospective rewatch, where I, Mark, the king of the podcasts, and my, what are you, my my king's hand? <laughs> I don't want to be the king's hand. That yeah, I don't need, that, that's too mean. Yeah, you're like my... I'm a propane wizard. You're my I'm propane, your Merlin. You're my, you're my court wizard, my court propane wizard. How now, gas man? <laughs> Verily, we take two episodes of that beloved adult animation classic and talk about the goods and the bads and the highs and the lows. We see if it still holds up. I think this week we can actually say we have an episode that did not hold up at all. Um, and then we slap it with our patented rating system. And Johnny, let's just um, kidnap this beef. I don't know. I was trying to think of a cute one instead of jump in. but <laughs> Kidnap this beef. That is, uh, that's my wife's term for uh, playing hide the pickle. Mark, we're starting with episode 219, Raise the Stakes. <laughs> I don't care how many Original... dudes your wife has held in the bathroom. <laughs> Original air date, November 18th, 2007. Writer Sanjay Shah. Oh, he's making a triumphant return. Triumphant return, Mark. Are, are you on the wiki? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had Paul Corrigan and Brad Walsh on this as their main writers, and Sanjay Shaw was listed as a staff writer on IMDb. But he did have his hand on okay. this one, but they didn't credit him on... Uh, me... IMDb didn't credit him. They credited uh, Corrigan and Walsh directly. 
let me um okay yeah no the wiki directly says sanjay shah but i we can do corrigan and walsh if you want it doesn't honestly matter too much to me um or we can just do all three because if they're all three credited in two different sources then why the hell not sure we can do that i just <laughs> well see now now i'm really worried that like we've been going off the wiki and that was a bad idea from the get go. And we knew it was a bad idea. And like anything we thought we knew about King of the Hill writers is totally off. Like, what if we really love Christy Stratton and it's just been lying to us? Oh, I don't think that's the case, but what if Craig is the best goddamn King of the Hill writer? Like what if John, what if? (laughs) Um, either way, the last time we saw Walsh and Corrigan was Peggy's gone to pots. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't remember hating that one. Did I hate that one? Mark, remind me, remind me. You gave it a Megalo, I gave it a Char King, and I put the caveat this might be a rewatch. Um, but the last Sanjay Shah that we saw was Grand Theft Arlen, and we char- it, and we uh, Imperialed that one. So, either way, okay. we're going into this with semi-high expectations. Okay, okay. Um... Well, we uh, we can kind of discuss if if his fingerprints are on this, like if it's anything like Grand Theft Arlen or the things that we liked in it, that might be an indicator that he had more of a say in this. But we can kind of digress into that as, as we need to. Our cast of characters this week, Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale Gribble, Bill Dotrieve, Boomhauer, the return of Appleseed, we have Sunshine, Steve Green, Luann Platter, Nancy Gribble in a non-speaking role, Min and Khan, Supernoose and Pwn, Jojack, Enrique, and Donna. So, our, let's see here, our three quote-unquote guest stars. We have The Return of Appleseed, who we've seen twice before. We saw him in mm-hmm. Fish and Wildlife, and we also saw him at Bill's house. Woods? Neighbors? That sounds like me. Right, right. Yep. Which God, that's. I think it's a pro in here that, like, thank God you guys. Some someone on this staff gives a shit about continuity, at least enough to go. Oh, that's right. We're using the old hippie guy. We've used him before. Steve Green here. This is uh, voiced by fan favorite David Herman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I, I can't immediately pick up Herman when I hear this. Not not nearly as much as I can in the next episode because he plays. Oh, dude! Next, next episode, episode beats well. you over the head. It's literally uh, frond. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, yes. Um, but it's like, okay, so Steve Green, he's he's an interesting character. But our so our big one here that kind of I went down a little bit of of a rabbit hole here, Sunshine. Yes. Sunshine, Sunshine. is voiced by a lady named Marissa Jeanette Wincourt, stage actress, TV actress, movie actress. Uh, the only thing that I really recognized her from that I've seen recently at all, and I don't know if you watch this show on FX. Uh, but she plays a character in What We Do in the Shadows, the vampire show on FX. Yeah, I love that show. It's like one of my favorite shows. If we were looking for a show to do after King of the Hill, I'd say that one, but I don't think it'd be compelling okay. TV. Just because you and it, I would be... It, it'd just be me sitting there talking about how much I love Matt Berry. Uh, basically, Matt Berry is the perfect... Like, I don't know if there's a more perfect cast on TV right now than that cast. Because he yeah, is so fantastic. good, but he's complimented so well by anybody else. Anyway, uh, she plays the character Charmaine. She's their next door neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the uh, yeah the big Jersey girl. Yeah. Yes. Now, yeah. Um, the rabbit hole I went down here, which led me to 
realizing that Angela Lansbury has four Tonys for the same goddamn award, like same goddamn category. And I went, Angela Lansbury, you are way nuts. Yeah, she has won Best Actress in a Musical four times before she died. What was it? Uh, I don't have it immediately pulled up oh, here. Sorry. All I know is she has the, no, she has the record though. Uh, Angela Lansbury has four Tonys for the same category. And I'm like, that's insane. That is just insane to me. Uh, but Marissa Wincour here is a Tony Award winner. That's one of the big things that most people that aren't watching TV or movies would know her from. She is the original lead from Hairspray. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so she has a best actor or actress in a musical Tony. And I went, that's kind of high pedigree. And I also would never have thought that the lady playing Charmaine in What We Do in the Shadows is a Tony winner. That's yeah, kind that's, of awesome. It's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's relatively recent too because the very next year is when Adina Menzel won for Wicked. So that's definitely very much within recent memory, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Look at you yeah, doing so, uh, your due diligence and doing the digging. A little bit. Here. Well, it's like, I know that name seems familiar and I just don't understand why, but there you go. So yeah, Mar uh, Marissa Winkpour, she is our, our quote unquote guest star this week that we haven't really seen before. Good to have you here. Uh, Mark, synopsis for this episode. When Hank is disappointed by the quality of beef he's been eating, he joins a local co-op and discovers he loves organic food. We really only have an A story this week. It's Hank. Mm -hmm. um, at least with this episode. I think that's fair to say, right? I, I didn't notice any other really other A or B stories. Did you? I didn't, know. All right. Well, hey, why don't we jump into some notes here? I am rather thirsty, so I'm letting you go first. Sounds good. Um, number one. Uh, this might be one of the most memed episodes in the world with the mm. firmly but mm -hmm. politely ask them to leave. John, how do you take your steak? And I already know the answer, buddy. Uh, I like medium rare. Yep. Only way to do it. Yes. Rare is a little little too juicy for me, and medium is a little too tough for me. Yep. 100%. Um, with great meat comes great responsibility. The name of your sex tape, John. <laughs> Uh, you want the name of my sex tape, or is that no, no, that's that the no, that's the name tape? of your sex tape. With great meat comes great responsibility. <laughs> uh, it's 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 very true, very true. I was trying to find a something about um, don't don't put your um, what is it packaged salami in with my massive brisket joke, but it doesn't. <laughs> that implies Gross. I have a showed. Wait, are you the salami or the brisket? The brisket. That's not so much a chode as it is you got it stuck in a door. Long and flat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, so you're looking at, you got to turn it 45 degrees, Mark. <laughs> We're short and wide. People the up there, they want long and flat. You got short and wide. <laughs> it's not oh as important God, to hit the back so of the room fill the walls Johnny fill up the sides <laughs> pack the house Jimmy, Johnny Jimmy Witcher. 
So grossed out right now. Hey, you know what didn't gross me out? The lack of Lucky in this episode. Oh no, he's not fucking here. It's almost like we don't fucking need him. And I would argue that this episode is elevated by the lack of Lucky. I would agree. I just... We're we're coming to a zenith here, and I'm going to have to eat so much humble pie, and I'm not looking forward to it. You have already taken nibbles at it. Like, that pie's been cooking, and you've been poking your fingers in it going, okay, maybe Lucky does ruin episodes that he's in. You told me that shit a while. I forget which one you're like, I am starting to come around here and realize that Lucky ruins all the episodes he's in. And I was like, yeah, he does, buddy. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I don't know about you. I am easily influenced, and this episode influenced me to want steak so damn bad. And had it not been 4 a.m. when I watched this episode... I would have eaten a steak while I watched it. Mark, I happen to know something very personal about you, and it's that you What's don't that? eat eggs. Yes, that's right. So, in, to be completely honest with you, the only way that you can do a steak and egg breakfast is a steak and steak breakfast. A turf and turf, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just say it. You Unless you had, pretend the potatoes are eggs. <laughs> that's true. It's very true. And then it's, you know, steak and hash browns, and that's, oh, God. So hungry. Yeah. Drink more beer, Mark. Um <laughs> Hey, I got some member berries. Do you remember goji berries? Holy shit, I haven't heard the word goji berry in like ten years. Probably more I than haven't that. either. But remember yeah. when like goji berries and then acai were like gonna save the world and come to find out they couldn't, but all those antioxidants, man. And then this episode is really just it's a relic. This episode can't hold up. It doesn't exist anymore, like Sure, food co-ops are a thing, but, like, the concept, the the idea behind it, the planning, the execution they're in, like... The concept it's, of this? It's this weird cycle. It's really, it's also super trippy. Um, So, this week's Two Wizards that released the same week that this episode is going to release, um, we talked all about agriculture and, like, what agriculture is to the human scope. Uh, we had a special guest on. Her name was Lindsay. Shout out to her if you're listening. I don't think she likes King of the Hill. But I kept going back to this point of, like, this episode really showcases how badly humans have just fucked up the agricultural method. Everything is factory now. Like, organic means literally nothing. I can say this being a former produce wizard. Like, there is microplastic in all the food you consume. Everything tastes like shit. It's just all bad. Everything is bad now, yep. and this episode can exist because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. And my only caveat to that is organic grapes are the best grapes you will ever eat, and that's about it. But, like, by and large now, like, none of this matters. It's all the same shit. We're all just killing ourselves, and it's all owned by okay. the same company that is killing the planet. And it really bums me the fuck out. Um, and then finally, we got a musical cue out of Peggy. She is singing Johnny Horton's The Battle of New Orleans. Thank you for pulling it up because I honestly, I heard her singing and I went, I don't want to try and look up lyrics right now and I want to be lazy. Maybe Mark will do this for me. Hey, guess what, guys? My gamble paid off. Mark did it for me. Um, <laughs> That's the last one you get. You know what? You know what, though? You are 90. If I don't get it, you get it. You did... um. That uh, Pussycat Dolls one a couple weeks ago with the uh, girlfriend. So Don't ya? You had that. So, yeah, don't you? Yeah, you had that one. You were ready with it. We just, you know, okay. the Byakugan is a 99% effectiveness. I am the 1% that covers your blind spot. You're my 1%. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it, when I look back at this and some of the songs that 
Peggy has sung like one of these days you and I are going to make a massive Peggy mixtape of all the shit we know she enjoys. Yeah. Like, I think that would Tammy be very Wynette, entertaining. Shaka Khan. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun to sit down and that'd be a good project is to sit down and make playlists for all the, 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 the main characters, if you will. Like we know Hank loves Willie. We know the guys like, uh, the, the highwaymen shit like that. Oh yeah. The gambler, like the gambler. <laughs> You're not allowed to listen to my podcast. <laughs> King of the Hill wiki. Oh. All right, what else you got, buddy? <laughs> How about your notes, buddy? That that's okay. that's what I got. How are you? What about what about you, man? Um, so to me, this episode it it feels it feels very throwbacky. Like they they want to take something from old King of the Hill and bring it into the future if you will. I look at the the references to things in the past, um, the, the typical character structure of this episode, but really, when it comes down to it, this is an episode of Hank getting pissed off at the Megalobite. And that's like season one or two. That's classic Hank. Like, what what do you mean I can't buy a fuel filter? I opened the pack myself. I don't want your damn batteries. Wow, you get a lot of batteries from the Megalomart. Like, we've seen a lot of episodes of Hank just railing against this massive conglomerate because he can see that they are bad mm -hmm. for the rest of small businesses. And Hank is a supporter of small business. Likes layaway rays, even when it's not on fire. Um, I So I, <laughs> that was my first note here is I, <laughs> right? I really appreciate Ray's that. gone trout of his mind. He, he's gone trout of his mind. Dude, the, the man sits naked in a tub of night crawlers to keep him alive. Like he was trout of his mind ages ago. Um, I so <laughs> I, I really appreciate that this, this episode, like it started me off with a, oh, this is a very classic King of the Hill feel that kind of hooked me. And what this is, this is something older that I enjoy about this show. Um, that's interesting. I, I, cause I kind of felt the same way, but I couldn't understand why it didn't irritate me, but I was like, you guys are trying to hit a beat, but what beat are you trying to hit? And that is, I think, I think you hit it. So, okay. Yeah. Thank you for voicing my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Next note I've got here, because uh, you guys know that out of the two of us, I I wouldn't even say I'm more of a car guy, but I'm a, I'm more of a specific car guy, and this just happens to be my episode, right? The cars in the co-op parking lot that Hank is always talking about being jam-packed full of VWs include a VW Super Beetle. Uh, I call it a Super Beetle because at one shot, it specifically looks like it's got a rounded windshield in the front, and that's what the Super Beetle is known for, that and a longer nose front. Oh, okay. A VW microbus, quote, splitty. That's the nickname for them because it's got an early, or it's got a split window in the front. So it's got two windows in the front. Those started from the 50s. Those are some of the earlier ones. Um, and it's also got a monotone wid widow's peak in the front. So most people will notice the Volkswagen. It's got the, the white V that goes down the front. And then the, the color usually is underneath it and fills it and wraps around. That's what's called a widow's peak. And the monotoned one is a sign that it's an earlier model, especially if it's original paint, which we're just going to assume it is. So, VW Microbus Splitty, a VW Super Beetle, Super Beetle. We have a Mini Cooper and possibly a Vespa scooter in the back. Um, we also see later on in the episode a new style Bubble Beetle, if you will. It's the Volkswagens that started off in, I want to say 2000 or 2001 is when they started coming out officially. 
and then they ended that production line in 2008 and brought back the classic beetle design which was only retired like three years ago oh wow yeah yeah I, there was a really cool article that i read uh, all about how the beetle the beetle itself had been in production for something like 80 years and Damn. it's because they had never like the Beetle, in some way, shape, or fashion, had always had a car that was called a Beetle in production for, like, 80 straight years. Because the classic 70s-style Beetles were made all the way up into the 2000s in in uh, foreign countries, like Venezuela and Colombia. And so, like, there's shitloads of parts with them everywhere. But they were technically brand-new Beetles with a 1970s design. Um, but the actual Beetle name got retired, like, two, three years ago. So they officially ended oh, their okay. Um, guys, I'm a huge That's Volkswagen really fan. I've I've been to the Wolfsburg plant in Germany. It's one of the first things I did when I got. It's fucking awesome. Uh, later today, I'm gonna go and watch the the um, Wolfsburg uh, football club play a game and probably well, they're actually doing pretty good. They might win. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna go watch some Bundesliga. It's good shit. Next note here: right. factory farms are convenient, but they're fucking awful. Every like convenience is the only good thing that comes out of them. And do you really want to pay for that? with the shit that goes on yeah. there. The conditions are deplorable. There's almost no nutrients to the things you're getting out of the factory farms. It's rife with animal cruelty and just the things that happen there are disgusting and despicable. If at all possible, guys, go out of your way to buy something that's not done by a giant manufacturing company. We all have but to have our Tyson anymore. Butterball chickens and, and all this, but every now and then, like, try try and find somebody who will give you a like a farm fresh raised chicken for dinner or for your for thanksgiving or something like just try yeah but you're right like it's almost impossible to find um yeah. uh, you and i could uh, other I side of that too oh go ahead sorry no no as it's you keep going keep going well, i was gonna say the other side of that coin too is like it's not just farms it's also like nah man like pay your goddamn workers like florida saw this because they decided we're not we don't want them goddamn mexicans coming here taking our jobs they're all kicked out and like the entire fucking florida crop is ruined like yeah it's just it's fucked and like you know california does it too all the goddamn time because they don't want to pay their people and it's wrong and you know animal conditions are bad sure but like i'm sorry humans are animals too and those conditions are bad you know yeah. like it's bad all around and it's some asshole getting rich off somebody else and we just got to collectively come together and go okay well fuck you you know yeah luis valdez is spitting in his grave is my point yes absolutely um there's guys there's a lot of of different ways that you can approach this but the more some of the more convincing arguments are basically just it talks about how how bad it is for us as humans as well as for the environment that we live in that we're letting these factory farms run things the way that they do uh before you come at me with this but i it's my right to eat meat and i'm never gonna go vegetarian you fucking grass-fed hippie i just want to be like look i'm not saying that you have to do that but you need to be responsible and and regulate some shit here just the state of food in general you know like Americans are so goddamn fat is because that's what we got. You know, we, you know what? Once again, check it off on your dangle podcast, bingo sheet. Um, fuck Ronald Reagan. He's the one that yeah. started all this shit. Like, 
you know, ketchup is a vegetable and like this just spirals out of control. And I don't blame the like poor single mother who's trying to feed her kids and McDonald's is cheap. You know, it's not her fault. That's what she has access to. Like it needs, you know, from the ground up, but at 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 a local level, at a personal, whatever you want to call that level, most cities have ordinances that allow you to have chickens, hens. You can have hens, not roosters, which is fine. Like, yeah, you know, get three chickens. Um, three chickens will make an, will you know put out two dozen eggs every other week. Um, out of those two dozen eggs, kill a chicken a week. You know, like they take six weeks to grow. It's super, very, very easy ground level shit. It's even you know I like the ending there where like Peggy's talking about the tomatoes are coming in. It's like yes, yeah, go plant your own tomatoes. My mom has a garden. She's super proud of it. Um, she grows monster zucchinis. Little things like this. You can do this too. We just don't. We just don't and it's bad and it's wrong anyway i'm I'm off my soapbox i apologize <laughs> guys this is the dangle podcast endorsement for a little bit of self-independence that's all we're trying to say here anyway next next note here mark how do you know a cow is ripe? you don't i hate that line <laughs> are you i i totally know when a cow is ripe. okay when he's about to graduate from bovine university you know i just kind of slide my finger down his ass and go mm. Seems just right, and I send him down through the chute. It's kind of like a sluice. What's DNA stand for? <laughs> uh, let's just ask this Scientologist. <laughs> um, or Scientician, excuse me. Scientician. There's <laughs> a little bit of Troy McClure for you. Last one here, and Mark will find this entertaining, and it won't be surprising to him or any of our Texas oh, listeners. I got you good. Sorry. Just bring me back around. What's up? I'm sorry. I'm totally just cutting you off with my stupid laughter. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Uh, so my last note here is that, Mark, did you know that it's a third degree felony in Texas to rustle livestock and you can get two to 10 years in prison for it? I had that as a note. I was like, I'm pretty sure cattle wrestling is a hanging offense, just yep. like horse thievery. So Hank could be in real deep shit if that farmer wasn't so cool and was just like, uh, what the fuck did he just do? Two cows, you know, well, really a bull and a heifer like yeah hey yeah. let's see here that's four to 20 years not counting the the calf that is eventually born um if that calf was already impregnated that that's we'll slap on an extra five there because it's texas and they don't believe in abortion um we got chickens all sorts <laughs> of sh- beef begins at conception john <laughs> you know what that fucking cow can holy shit we're making lane. that shirt <laughs> what'd you say so that cow gets to use the HOV lane. Don't you ever try and say she can't. There's two people there. <laughs> Mark, give me your pros, buddy. I'm done. Pros. Um, um, most of my pros are actually Peggy pros this week. Um, number one, okay. Peggy's peaches. I love that little bit. Hot damn, do I want a Palisade peach? Yeah, I um, oh, never. I I swore a blood oath to never eat them. But yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, um, number two. Wizard. I don't mean to be PTSDing you. But then also, I love Peggy's naming of things. I just really think it's cute. And then she's like, "Now we get to see which chicken made the better egg." And I, I forget the first one, but the other one is like, "What, Miss Peckinpah?" That's so cute. I just, <laughs> yeah. I love that little bit. That's such a good little Peggy bit. It's it's wonderful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I want a steak. This episode really made me want a steak. I love the bit with the butcher. And Hank is standing there like, you know, you see anything you like, let me know. And 
Oh, okay. Um, and also, Pro, I don't know where I could find it, but I really want Rastafarian teddy bear toilet paper. <laughs> that hemp teddy bear? <laughs> you trying to frame me? That's That made me laugh. That got That got me pretty audible here. Yeah, not a lot of pros, but uh, again, there's a lot of good lines in here that I like. But then I also feel like there's a lot of throwaway ones. Like, I don't understand men's, like, indecent proposal reference for, for corn. I don't know. But the other pro is Khan going, ah, cow, when it busts through his fence. It's really good. It's so good. <laughs> it's also... Hank ought to know better, like, or maybe not. I don't know. Johnny, what are the ethics of, you know, Hank letting a cow graze his yard? It's, it's, it's um, Hank's yard. Like it's, it's true. This is brain damage, Hank. Okay. It's the only way I can think of like it, something has happened to him and he got kicked in the head in a scene we didn't see because he's got cows that are potentially eating his, his grass. You, you can see he has visibly dug up a garden patch in the backyard at one point. That's where they're growing their tomatoes. Um, he is defacing his fence. He seems to think that he can just keep a, keep cows in his backyard and Khan and the rest of his neighbors aren't going to notice or hear or smell any of it. Like, he not, not to mention, he doesn't talk about any of this with his wife, who, what did she do when she grew up, Mark? Raised cattle. Like, this is brain damage, Hank. So, number one, I think that one came from To Kill a Ladybird when Dale um, missile drop kicks Hank out of the tree. And I <laughs> okay. was like, okay. we need to keep an eye out for bad brain, Hank. But, like, I'm really starting to understand that Mike Judge has a stance to make, and it's that, like, you know, small local ranches are the way to go. Because yes. this is also a callback to um Organic Garden. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that until we are talking about it right now, but, yeah. yeah. You're right. This is um, a really, this, it's this, a very this is what you said quote the, unquote classic episode, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, God, you knocked that out. Like that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's that it's the feeling I got from it. And it's when you mentioned Mike judge here, it doesn't surprise me. His love of Texas is why he started this show. And what mm-hmm. is more Texas than cattle farms, gardening, like make it staking your claim for your own and running your own small business. That's the most Texas thing in the fucking world. Uh, what are your pros? This in this episode for me personally introduced me to the wide world of horror that is well done beef, <laughs> and it's that that opening line of what if what if somebody wants it well done and we ask them politely yet firmly to leave? That's a very diplomatic answer to why the fuck would you ruin this piece of meat? Every chef, every person that considers himself a home cook, nobody eats a well done steak. Like nobody, eats. I've never met one person that actually wants their steak well done. You've not met my in-laws. I I remember good when Lord. I first got with Amanda, I had to, like, break her of, like, you know meat can taste good, right? Like... Like, it's got more texture God, than, than leather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because I cook everything medium rare anyway. You, you, you know right. me, I've cooked for you multiple yeah. times. But, like, um, it took, like, two years to get her to just, like, eat a steak that wasn't well done. Yeah. And... And now, you know, now she's, you know, medium well, which fine to each their own. I understand. You don't like the, you don't like the juice. That's, that's all right. But like, yeah. Yeah. Well done beef guys. It's terrible. Um, Hank cares about continuity in this episode. You and I already called it out, but 
he he made it a made a point the writers made it a point to have hank say yeah you and i spent a week out in the wilderness together and you lived at my friend bill's house um Mm -hmm. i appreciate that because we have seen appleseed a couple of times now they're differentiating him as a hey you're a you're a one-off spin-off character that has now been in three different episodes we're gonna keep that up it's instead of introducing him or just putting him in the background like kid Hauer, where we see him a million times we never get to know him Appleseed is a fully formed functional character at this point, and I appreciate that. Um, I think that having to work a couple of hours at that co-op and paying a fee in order to get membership there and get their stuff, I think that's a fair trade, and I think it's a good co-op. Like, I think the model of that co-op is good. It, it, like to me, that tells me you don't just get to come in and and flash your money around and say, I'm better than the rest of you and I deserve what you're eating. You have to literally put in the work like everybody else does in order to make this work. I think more fucking businesses should be run that way. You shouldn't be able just to buy your way out of it. Oh yeah, I agree. But you know too, that kind of falls down with like the idea that... So Okay, so in Israel, you have mandatory military service, right? I think in America, you need to have mandatory retail and or fast food. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It teaches you how to be a human. That's a good yeah. judge of character in people is how they treat the people that, you know, they consider their lessers. Like, anybody yelling at the poor cashier has never fucking worked in retail because you wouldn't do that type of deal, you know? And oh, to that end, anybody, you know, like, anybody yelling at me because we fucking sold out of Palisade Peaches has never worked it. They don't know. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's a super, I think that's a very valid point, John. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I love that model. Um, it's it's everything I do like about small businesses, especially like you go into a place that's rinky dink and tiny and they charge a little bit more for shit, but everything is so good there. It's like, cool, I'm going to continue patronizing you because I see the same three people. Usually they're members of a family and you're all busting your ass because this is what you do. This is how you make your look. Um, your, uh, your pet shop in um, um, Montrose, you, 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 you told me you used to buy your cat food there because you said that people were cooler. Like, yes. Just shit like yes. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's a Petco just down the street from that place, and more people in that town will go to the local-owned pet shop and supply store because they go, yep, the people here, are, are they're, they're just nicer. Everything is, like, I'm not afraid to talk to somebody. I'm not afraid I'm going to get screwed over. If I have to return something, I'm not going to get screamed at and told it's not policy. Like, yeah, it, it's just it's nice to talk to a person anymore and not a company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what I'm I'm getting at here. Um, next pro, Bill getting shot down by hippies. Sorry, Bill. Free love has its limits, and apparently you're the limit. <laughs> that's Which, the kind yeah. of low blow that Bill deserves. <laughs> So this is a good Bill episode, though, too. Like, he's used very sparingly. You know, he's got the free love line, and then, like, when Hank's putting up that, like, what, trellis? And Con's like, it smelled like cow, and that was me. Bill just pops up, that's me, I smell like cow. But that's, like, that's a good use of him, though, right? Or am I just picking and choosing what I like out of my Bill? No, I think that is a good one, because it's not Bill depreciating himself. It's not really... Like, but he knows, like, oh, well, everybody thinks this about me, so I'm going to lean into it to help my friend. Plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, my last pro here is that I appreciate that Hank is the only one at the co-op who doesn't want to sell out. Like, even Appleseed, to a point, goes, yeah, but I need some new shoes, man. 
But Hank is the only one and he is the most like buttoned down out of all of them. And it's just very satisfying to see like a normal human embrace these these tenants and go, nope, I Megalomart does not get this guy's business. Not if it not if he doesn't absolutely have to. I like that Hank tries, but then at the same time, this is one of those ones where like Hank ruins everything. Yeah. Hank killed the co-op, like He did by by teaching them basic fucking techniques like, I don't know, running more than one register at a time and using a fucking handcart. The end of this episode is almost it's I, I don't know if I consider it a pro or not, because it is kind of schmaltzy, but the picture, the, the the simple address letter from just the farm. I'm like, do I like this? Am I just getting nostalgia about it? Am I just happy that that Hank got to win? Like we all got we got the happy ending we wanted to see. I don't know. I don't know if I consider it a pro or not or if it's just too too cheesy, but. Uh, it always puts okay. a smile on my face when you see that picture of Appleseed and it just goes, I named him Hank. <laughs> um, give, me, give me your cons, bud. Cons. Um, most primarily Bobby and Luann throughout this episode. I hate them both. Both of them are not used well. Bobby is obnoxious and has one-liners. And Luann ate nothing but paint chips as a kid. I really hope they were organic paint chips. But goddamn. <laughs> I just, neither one of them have a good line throughout this deal. Yeah. Um, hippies. Can I, yep. can I interject real quick before you move on to hippies here? Because I, have a, I think, I think I have a way of fixing Bobby in this episode to make it better and, and add a B plot pretty early on in okay. the episode. Hank has to go and, and, uh, he meets with the rancher, the guy that, that's tell, telling him all about the, the cows and how, you know, factory cows don't get alfalfa when their stomachs are upset and all this. He learns all that shit and he's out on this guy's farm. Why doesn't Hank just bring Bobby with him at that point? And we can get a whole B story about how Bobby is attached to a chicken and that chicken is eventually going to make its way to his house. And then Peggy is eventually going to go, well, it's time to eat the chicken. We have a crisis of, of like, okay, now we can get good Bobby lines here. We can have him doing prop comedy with the chicken. I, I really want to see Bobby try and, and talk to another chicken with a rubber chicken that you know he's got. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of potential to use Bobby here that I just I'm like, you guys didn't think about this very much or you just didn't want to put him in here. Like you felt like you had to, but you didn't want to. Hmm. Okay. So I okay. don't know. I just just food for thought, food for your your thought listeners, like, would it have made a better episode if we got to see Bobby in a in a bigger role? And something like that, or something of your own design? I don't know. I think it would. Hmm. All right. But that's a, that's anyway, a I cut you right off. There. I cut you off. You're talking about hippies. No, no, not at all. Um, con, hippies is a general rule. But then, like, I really hate how much fun everybody is made of in this episode. Like... Get out of my cons, wanting man. good food, wanting wanting healthy food, wanting good tasting food should not be a bad thing. I hate the scene in Strickland when they're like... Did you go to Hollywood for that sandwich, honey? Yeah, did Eric Estrada bring it to you, Hank? Like, what are you doing? Fuck you. Like, yeah. Things like that. And it's just like, oh, you you don't want shitty tasting food. Fuck you. Like, what? Yeah. Like, how, how dare I give a shit about the nutritional quality of what I'm eating? Yeah. No kidding, man. Go... Go eat your Whataburger, you fat sack of lump ass. Um, you bet, Organic honey. is a... 
<laughs> Not the taco bueno. Um, <laughs> that's the dream I had when Joe Jack pooped the fryer. <laughs> Baby did a bad, bad thing. <laughs> As a a former produce wizard, I can tell you that organic is a total crock of shit. Even if the farm does what it's supposed to do, it doesn't make any difference. Sure, you don't use pesticides, maybe, but at this point, it doesn't make any difference because the atmosphere is saturated with this shit. Or at the local level, I used to write dudes up because they would be like, there's certain things you gotta do with organic, and the big one is you don't put conventional on top of organic shit. But, like, our warehouse would stack conventional berries on top of organic berries. And, uh, ostensibly, like, the, the, the chemical can run off. So that berry gets wet. Yeah. Um, the shit on the berry can drip down into the other berry. It's just a crock of shit, man. And it's a, it's a way to make more money. It, ideally, it is a good thing. It is a thing that ought to exist and should exist. And we just don't do it. And I hate that shit. And it yeah. makes me crazy, man. Like, ugh. Um, cattle wrestling is a hanging offense question mark we already kind of beat that one to death <laughs> and yeah you actually removed my last con you made me think about it so I struck it from the record how about you buddy nice uh, my first one in here you already addressed and it's basically how everybody treats the hippies in this episode because yes it's a super easy target to make fun of hippies but seriously guys there is nothing wrong with with wanting quality in what you're eating um Con, this episode made me homesick because I don't think I've seen a cow farm here yet. Like, I I saw one on the train when I was going through the Netherlands, and I went, oh, yeah, that's where all the cheese comes from. I get it. it I literally had to stop it at Gouda. It made me very happy. Um, <laughs> there's a town in the Netherlands called Gouda, everybody. It's it's where they make cheese. Um, you sent me a postcard from it, there. I think I did. Yeah. Did I send you one from Gouda? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, you sent me one with a bunch of cheese wheels, and you sent me one with all the um, uh, beer maidens. Guess which oh, one Amanda good, doesn't yes. like on the fridge? <laughs> the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she all about them titties. All about them titties. Um, so, yeah, this episode made me homesick. I It's just like, like I want a barbecue cookout now and a bunch of steak and, and just to like drive around and look at cows and shit. Um. God, Luann and her corn holders, quote unquote corn holders, dot, 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 fuck. Like, yeah. Mm. I, I can't. What she called tomatoes? Even... Magic balls or something stupid? Like, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Um, is it the end of this episode or the next one? Um, it's in the next one. I've got I've got shit to say about Luin and Lucky this th- th- in this week's episode of Dangle Podcast, guys. You're gonna get some, but last con here is it's really just a logistical one. Peggy gets like three weeks worth of eggs from two chickens overnight. Uh, yeah, yeah. You only get like <laughs> two eggs a day if you do them if if you're real lucky. Yeah, yeah. She has a basket full of eggs, and I went, oh Jesus Christ. That's a lot of eggs. I even I know that that's that's too many. That's too many for overnight. But oh, that's those are my cons. I didn't have a lot of them for this episode. I really I enjoyed a, most of this episode. I th- yeah, I think I did too. And talking to you, I enjoyed it more than I thought I did. 
Because, see, I came yeah. into this and I'm just like, boy, we're just we're hitting beats. And it's like, we're not hitting. It's what you said. It's what you said. This is a classic episode. They're just doing it now. And, yeah. 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 Well, Mark, do you got any favorite moments for this? Um, question mark, question mark, question mark. I don't know. Okay. I, not really. No. I don't know. Um, no, not really. I just generally liked it and sat and watched it, but nothing really stood out to me. Okay. Yeah, how about you? Uh, so I had two moments in here, and, and they were just like, they're moments that I've either had in my own life or at moments that I went, this needs to be more of an example. Like, this, this, more people need to see this. The first one is definitely a moment I've had in my life before. And it's when you eat something so good that you're just like, good God, I don't know if I'm ever going to eat anything this good again in the rest of my life. And it's Hank's reaction that says, I think we need to say grace again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I've had, I've had sandwiches, like burgers, I've had all sorts of really good things. And sometimes that's what it is. It's just like, this is the single greatest thing I've ever eaten. Um, And I really just like, I need to set it down and give thanks again for what I'm eating. The first real meal that I had after I had my gallbladder out last October, um, I, I can honestly say it's one of the greatest meals of my entire life, probably because it's the first real thing that I could eat without fear of pain for the last four days previous. Okay. But it was like the most basic shit. It was my breakfast in the morning, which was a hard white roll with uh, like buterkeza, which is it's like butter cheese. So it's a lighter, almost not quite like a it's like a mix between mozzarella and, and Monterey Jack. Um, but like just standard sliced cheese and some ham. And I was just like, OK, ham and cheese on a white roll in the morning and it was just like the single greatest fucking thing in the world and I went oh god I never want this to end so I, I love that moment I love that moment from Hank and then the last my other one that I have here is uh, the guy oh what's what's our character's name here uh, Steve when Steve mm. is talking about the, the yuppie that's in the store he just goes his shoes have tassels <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself like yeah, if somebody walks up to me and their shoes have tassels, I'm going to have an opinion on them too. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those are those are my favorite moments, man. Um, I think we're up to rating here. Do you want to give us a breakdown of the rating system? Um, Why don't you do it? My, sorry, my headset's dying. I'm going to try and swap them out while you do the rating, yeah. if you don't mind. No, of course, of course. But our rating system breaks down as follows. We have our charcoal rating. This is an F rank. This is a failure of an episode. A charcoal is a dirty episode of King of the Hill that's going to leave its filth underneath the boys, your boys' clean nails. Um, it doesn't represent the show very well. It is not very rewatchable. You might watch it one time, and then you're, you're going to skip it on every other rewatch. After that, you got a megalo. Megalo is not much better. It's a step above charcoal, but really, a step above a turd is still most of a turd. Megalo is a turd that just happens to have little golden kernels of wonderfulness in it sometimes every now and then. Uh, Megalo episodes are also not very good. You're probably going to skip some of these too. They just, like, it doesn't fit King of the Hill very well. After that, you got Butane. Butane episodes are our middle-of-the-road kind of silver rank, if you will. 
You love to hate them. You hate to love them, just like butane, which is a bastard gas. Um, lots of King of the Hill episodes are butanes. They're watchable TV. You're going to go back. You're going to, you'll, you'll watch them again. You're not going to pay too much attention if it doesn't really catch your eye. It'll be what you have on in the background. The ones you will pay attention to are our charging episodes. These are the gold standard of King of the Hill. Good characters, good stories, great guest stars. There's there's something that's clicking on all cylinders in the charging episode. Something that's going to make you want to go back and rewatch it. Um, and Mark and Mark and I's case, we there's very often times where he and I will rewatch an episode right after we watched it. It's charking. Uh, if we mm -hmm. both agree that it's episodes of charking, it becomes an imperial. This is uh, about the highest honor you can give an episode of King of the Hill. The only thing that it's missing is a little bit of context to fully enjoy how deep this episode goes. Now, for episodes that you don't need that context for, but still remain at the top of their game, we have our Blue Flame of Valor episodes. This is the S-rank mythical legendary, um, I I don't know, boss, boss Pokemon at the top of Mount Moon. I'm getting a bunch of, of things wrong here. I don't care. Blue Flame of Valor, guys. It's the best episodes of King of the Hill. They're the ones that make you make you want to watch this show. They're the ones that are going to make a complete random stranger want to watch this show. For two or three of these, and you're going to have somebody sit down and watch 200 episodes of a TV show with you. It'd be great. So, Mark, on a scale of charcoal to Blue Flame, what do you give Raising the Stakes? Raise the Stakes. You actually brought me around on this one. I had rated it pretty low initially until you and I talked it out. I'm giving it a butane. It's a pretty all right episode. I think it's kind of boring by and large, but King of the Hill is okay. kind of boring too in its own right. So you know what? This is a really good episode of it, but it's just middle of the road for me. Um, no consequences for our actions. Um, missed opportunity to have Fred Willard as a cop. Little things like yeah. this, but by and large, I am positive on this episode. How about you, buddy? Uh, so I gave Raise the Stakes a Buking. Uh, it's got its hard okay. moments in this episode. that They, they just, just kind of drag or characters that are misused. You and I definitely brought up Bobby and Luann. Um, but more and more, those hard moments are becoming series problems and not episode problems. So I'm going to start to try and not take it out on an episode if it's something that's been recurring for a while. Um, keep that in mind when yeah. I rail against our next episode this week. But, <laughs> like... I'm, I really I want to stop punishing episodes for the little things like that, especially if it's habitual now, because I should know better. I should know better, if, especially if it's going on for a couple of seasons. Um, but this episode, it, it scores high for me because it rallies for a cause I really genuinely believe in, which is it's the quality of food and supporting smaller businesses. Guys, not to brag on anybody here, but I bought enough ingredients to make myself three dinners maintain my breakfast which is all healthy by the way for the next three days for thirty dollars thirty dollars today Jesus. and i can feed myself and my wife for the next three days with something that's relatively healthy thirty dollars would get you a meal and a half for that in america yeah it's mcdonald's is up. like a twenty dollar affair at this point it's ridiculous it is a twenty dollar affair for two people anymore um yeah uh, and I'm not trying to lord it over you that I get to live in this this wonderful, beautiful socialist uh, wonderland here, but th there's a lot of things that I took for granted about when I left here and went back to America, and food was never one of them, ever. And so just keep an eye out. Support those smaller local businesses. It's the only way that you're not going to get bent over a barrel when Walmart or King Supers or 
um, Albertsons when they, when one of them eventually decides, you know what? All of a sudden, two dollars isn't enough for your 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 salted nut mix. I want to get greedy, and now it's five because I can because I own all of the all of the ways of doing. Don't anyway. get me fucking started. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, oh my god, I gave five dollars for a one. fucking spaghetti squash the other day, and it was not a big squash. Like, good lord. Oh, dude, I know. I'm so upset. Like, anyway. <laughs> well, an hour later, and I think we're finally to our second episode, bud. I reckon you're right, buddy. Let's go kick that pig. Well, let's keep on rocking and rolling with episode 220, Tears of an Inflatable Clown. Original air date, November 25th, 2007. Uh, happy almost 17th, 16th, 16th birthday to Johnny. Um, almost 16. Uh, written by Aaron Ehrlich. Mark, have we seen Aaron Ehrlich before? We have not seen, I'm assuming Aaron's a lady, the way it's spelled. And no, we've not, but they will write three episodes. This is the first of those. And spoilers, the other two are also uh... shit up. I mean, are also not as enjoyable. Don't, don't come down too hard yet, Mark. (laughs) Retro rewatch. Retrospective. Yeah, and I rewatched it, and I can say right now that's a shit episode. (laughs) Also, I'm pretty sure our Um, title comes from that Jerry Lewis movie that never got released about the uh, clown in the concentration camp. That, what? You know, the Jerry Lewis, Tears of a Clown. It was about a clown that was, like, in some concentration camp. And, like, he was, I think he was a Nazi officer, and he, like, put on makeup and, like, delighted the children before they died or some shit. I, it was never released. I think it's been released now, but like for years and years, it was like this super controversial movie, um, and it wouldn't get put out. But it's called Tears of the Clown. Anyway, wow. Yeah. Is this the same Jerry Lewis that I'm thinking of? That like they based Professor Frank's Lady. voice off of? Yeah, the one that Ralph Garman wow. impersonated okay. Jacques, Jacques Girard and <laughs> got into a lot of trouble for. Yeah, that Jerry Lewis. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, guys, cast of characters for this week. Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale Gribble, Bill Dotree, Boomhauer, Luann Platter, Lucky Kleinschmidt, fucking Carl Moss, Terrence Pope, Joseph Gribble, Connie Khan, and Min Supanusimpone, Clark Peters, Stuart Dooley, Ramon Alejandro, Emily, Don Thistle, non-speaking role of Nancy Gribble, and just as in quoted, Sid Superintendent. Um... Yeah. This is this is a school episode, everybody. If if you couldn't tell by the fucking Carl Moss in our guests, our cast list here. Uh, synopsis: Bobby wants to have a carnival at school, and Lucky needs to go to the hospital. Um, th- that could be amended. We can talk about white guilt. We can talk about stupid rednecks that cover themselves in Vaseline. Um. We can talk about a gross misuse of power and making kids feel like shit for no fucking reason. But therapist Johnny's got a lot to say on this episode. So why don't why don't you start, buddy? Our A story is Bobby, our B story is the guys in Lucky. Give me some notes. Can we come down to the side of it's not white guilt, it's a white dude who wants to make money and monetizes guilt across the board? Yeah. Yeah, we can we can do that. Now Lucky's here. He's only a prop and a plot point. Where was Lucky last episode? I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm not mad that he wasn't there, but he's here this time. Um, 
Slower and Less Passion, the name of my sex tape. <laughs> Slower and with less passion. When, when Bobby's giving his pitch to the family and Hank goes, and, you know, Peggy goes, I don't think you look yep. in the eye enough. And then Hank goes, now slower with less passion. That's the name of my sex tape. Um, this. Oh, but he definitely says with less passion. Passion. <laughs> um. This is the worst of Moss, right? We can agree this is the worst that Moss has been. Uh, Carl Moss directly ruins these kids' days. Um, really just opens the door. With his fucking ineptitude? Yeah, and it... Yeah. But, you know, there's there's the good little bit in there where, like, we cut to Carl Moss, and he's, looking, he's, like, betting on the ponies, and I think that's hilarious. I'm with you now. I hate him. Pretty sure the Jews came from Arizona, per the unbearable blindness of Lang. Yep. <laughs> I'm not being inflammatory, but that was all I could think of was when they're talking about the stars and shit. Look at me, I'm a star-bellied snitch. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, Sorry, Just buddy. Take a beat there. No, you're <clears throat> good. Johnny, did you know that Platter is actually a German name, and it comes from the Brandenburg region? Brandenburg. So that would be north, uh, northeast. Over by Berlin? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's it's actually a super old Prussian name from that region. Okay. Um, and then Hill is an Anglo-Irish name, and it means somebody who lives on a hill. Okay. That's how bored I got. I looked up name entomologies. King of the Hill is a show that teaches us a couple things, Johnny. Number one, that factory farms are evil, organic is the way to go. And the third is that anybody who has a doctorate or any form of higher education is a piece of shit. They're really stupid. I, I I am reminded of the Arrowhead. Yeah, Doctor Lerner. Yes, yes, yes. And now we get Pope and oh boy, don't I just hate them both? Yeah. Um, I hate Pope, John. Pope is the guy is the white man that watched a Speedy Gonzalez cartoon and said, "This is racist. Take it down." And all the Hispanics got mad because like you took our fucking representation, you asshole. Pope is yeah. the guy that saw dwarf tossing in a bar in Florida and decided it was offensive. And come to find out, the little people, that's what they like to be called, they didn't have a problem with it. It was just some white guy that got offended. 99% of the world's problems come from some white guy that decided that somebody needed to be offended and he could make a quick fucking buck off of it and I hate it. And this episode is directly responsible, well, not directly responsible, but it is directly tied to our current political situation, uh, the, the current idea of a culture war in America, all this fucking shit, and I hate it, and this episode is gross, and it really makes me angry, and then I get to thinking that this type of shit is real, and it totally exists, and I hate that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, to go, to take a page back from, you know, this goes back to what we said and how I stopped worrying and learned to love the Alamo and that yes, history is a terrible thing. Um, it's usually written by the victor, but at the same time, like just because you don't like history doesn't mean you get to go fucking change it. But it also Pope has a good point when he's calling out all the kids separately for all their fucking evil. Cause it is, um, America being the great melting pot that it is. We all have histories of horror and violence in our past and it doesn't matter yeah. who you are or where you come from. But the point from that is to be better than what that past was and to grow from it and learn from it so you don't repeat the same fucking mistakes again. And instead, you get white guilt. And that's not the right way to go about it. Uh, those are my notes. I don't have a lot of notes. I got really mad this week. And I don't really <laughs> want to talk about the B-plot until we get to cons, but you talk yeah, to me we'll, now. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. 
Um, no, I, I definitely agree. There's there's a lot of like weird heat from this episode that I'm gonna do my best to kind of mitigate my own anger and 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 shit for. So we'll we'll see here. Um, first note here though is when did we start having everyone over into the Hills house for a cookout every week? Because this is two episodes in a row yeah. now where we just see random people like Con and Min show up for free steak at Hank's house. Well, you know, we've, we've seen it. Like, Bill Bulk and the Body Buddies, they have the party, and Bill doesn't go because he's, you know, muscled his way out of their good graces, so to speak. Like, okay. the Hills will have people over. They will have cookouts. Hank is the block captain. He likes to, you know, have a flag day party and all this good shit. So it makes sense, but I agree with you. This is one-to-one. It just... And somebody didn't watch the episode that came before it when they wrote this, or the pacing is off in it. Because, you know, yeah. it goes back to, like, why wasn't Lucky there last week? It's, I probably wouldn't have noticed this if if I was watching it in as it premiered, right? Like, I'm not going to remember right. seven days ago that they had the same sort of party in King of the Hill. I could, or if, I, if I'm going to notice it, it's not going to be a big thing. So I, I just, mm-hmm. watching it back to back, it, I had that notion today. Um, the character of Pope is, is very much the anti-Philip Frond for David Herman because he has made his character, Philip Frond, like... He's he doesn't take any risks. He's basically super spineless. Um, he doesn't actually convince any kid to do anything. Like he he's a terrible terrible guidance counselor. If you in Bob's Burgers, that's part of his charm is that he is harmless. You know that he's got these ideas and he's trying to help kids out. And when he goes off on a on a crazy thing, no one's going to take him seriously. So Pope to me, it's just fascinating to me that David Herman is now played this character but with two radically different personalities so i thought that was very very interesting um it's weird to me that david herman is consistently typecasted as a therapist too like we saw him in um racist dog and he's the dog therapist shit like that it's just and i guess it makes sense he's got a kind of calm soothing ish voice but it's also a voice that you really want to punch the face attached to it sometimes yeah why does he have to change he's the asshole um (laughs) No talent, ass clown. <laughs> uh, so let's see here. Mark, have you ever heard of um, the teacher, the school teacher, Jane Elliott, and the experiment she did uh, on blue-eyed and brown-eyed children? Uh, refresh my memory, because it sounds like something that I remember, but it's been a long time since I was in education. Sure, 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 sure. So uh, Jane Elliott did a, it's like a sociological, psychological experiment in the 60s, I believe. She was a school teacher and she basically split her kids up. And for three days, she conducted this experiment on them. And she separated the class between kids that have blue eyes and kids that have brown eyes. And so I I bring this up because this is, they hope de facto does this later in the episode. Um, but she basically gives the the blue-eyed kids all these privileges for the very first day and says, okay, you know, you, you get to be the first ones out at recess. You get to be the first ones that decide what we read today or who answers what question and all this and give them all the power and just yeah. to kind of see how they would exert that sort of power over the kids with brown eyes. And then the very next day, she switched it and gave the kids with the brown eyes all of the power to see what their response would be after they spent a day being oppressed, essentially. It is fascinating because they documented all of this. They recorded it for a TV special 
And then I think yes. 20 years yes. later, 20 years later, they met up with all of these kids and asked them about that experience and how, like, if, if it had informed their lives at all. And so they, they showed, like, these, these kids picking on each other and going, no, you're blue eyes. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to touch my stuff. And, like, it's just, it's a super interesting experiment about what happens when we feel like we have power over somebody else. Um, I just, I, I had to read that, I think, two semesters ago for my master's degree, and I thought it was very interesting that the character of Pope was doing that similar sort of activity with these kids, with the squares and the circles and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so guys, go look up Jane Elliott. There's a YouTube video that's like an hour long from PBS, and you can go and watch it, and you can see a lot of the actual footage from it. Um, my last so note really in here... Quick. I, I yeah. want to tag in really quick. Sorry about Jane Elliott. So I totally yeah. did know her. Um, she came and um, she gave a lecture at Adams and I had to sit through oh. it. I didn't, okay. That's the wrong way to say it. I didn't have to sit through it, but um, it was part of my uh, ed 220 class, the special ed class. And the teacher nice. was like, Hey, okay. this woman's coming here. We're all going to go watch her. And she, it was a really interesting talk. Anyway, back to your notes. Sorry. Yeah. My last note before we jump into pros and cons here, it's, this is something that I, I embrace I embrace as a, almost like a personal mantra here. Um, and in in regards to it's not white guilt, we decided it's not white guilt early in this podcast. Um, but as far as, as what has happened in the past and how you choose to view it, I, what my personal value here is, or my, my personal stance on this is you make the change that you want to see. You acknowledge the horrors that have happened before, and then you move on. Um, shit's not forgotten. Shit's not just brushed under the, the, the way, but we do not have to continue living in that period because we are not in that period. I'm never going to forget that Americans had slaves and they did really shitty things to every black American all the way through to the sixties when they finally gave them a semblance of power and guaranteed it in Congress. There's still shitty things happening to black people, but I am not oh, the yeah. one doing it. I am making my own change that I want to see in when I interact with people that are a different race than me, I'm going to acknowledge that, yes, you've had it shittier than I have because I'm a straight white male. But at the same time, I'm going to acknowledge it and then move on. It's not going to control. Me. It's not going to control every action that I do. Um, that is how I make peace with a lot of this episode is basically just saying, look, everybody's family has done something shitty. That's just that's human nature. Uh, but you are not your family. You were anyway, Mark, give me some pros. Um, really quick follow up to yours. Um, yeah. Um, Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. TJ. Own slaves. <laughs> uh, no, it's the founding mothers own slaves. <laughs> um, Bobby. Yeah. Bobby. 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 Um, there's some white guilt I got. It's called milk in the fridge. That's about to go bad. There it goes. Um, yeah, no, like I hate this shit. And you know what too? You can be, a, it's also the idea of turning each other against each other to, you know, destabilize. And that's how you keep shit the way it is. Like, yeah, we're all about equity here, guys. Yeah. It's not us against them. It's us against they, and they are the 1% and we need to go eat the fucking rich. Um, I'm sorry, are we on my pros here? Your pros, buddy. Pros. Cool. 
Um, I actually have a couple here. This might be the best Clark Peters we have had throughout the entire run of the series. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy shit. Oh, he came back then, with the force, and then, didn't he? And then to double down with you singing to me about how I am the king of podcasting? Yep. Mm, fucking cherry on my Sunday, dude. <laughs> he doesn't know how to edit the podcast. Son, you're about to be very entertained. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, also side pro to that excellent use of the lack of use of Dooley outside of I'm Dutch. That's great. Great. Yes. That's all you know, we needed from him. It, yes. And that's how you fucking do it. So right there, Aaron Ehrlich. All right. Okay, girl, you got one in the bank. I'm assuming you're a girl. Cause you spell your name like a girl spells Aaron, not a a Ron. Um, <laughs> it's, okay, Johnny, this might be my favorite moment, but it's also the part where I laughed too hard. I don't want to be a Jew. <laughs> I don't want to be a Jew. Yeah. It's not funny. I'm sorry. I don't have the problem. I just, holy shit, Alejandro no, the doing look that. On like... Pope's face, the way that's animated, is perfect because he realizes <laughs> at that moment he fucked up. <laughs> it's great. So great. Um,. I've never resonated more with the character in this show than I resonate when Khan laughs at Bobby's speech. And then he stops <laughs> and looks around to realize he's not making a joke. Like, oh, he's serious. I'm so bad about that. I am so bad about that. I will, <laughs> I, somebody will say a thing and I will think it's a joke and it's not. And holy shit, did me and Khan resonate this week. Um, they wheel in the snow cone machine. First, we take the Eskimos' land, and then we're eating it. God damn it. That is <laughs> that is a bad line. That is a shitty, that is a horrible thing to say. I am I am offended. Me, a white man, is offended that we took the Eskimos' land and we're eating it because their land is made of snow. Holy shit. But that is so funny, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, God. And then I just keep coming back to, but I don't want to be a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic, because if I could pick, like, one class to belong to, I'd probably pick the Jews, but that's just me. Anyway, um, you got some pros for me, buddy? I do. I do. Um, So, apparently, Nancy was always a slut. We just determined that this week. Because hey, if no, Dale Nancy was got child prostituted. <laughs> She did get pimped out. Damn. Um, I Elliot like that Stabler has entered the chat. I do too. Um, I like that bit a lot. It was gross as shit, but yeah. Sorry, I totally just rolled over you, but yeah. No, no, you're good. You're good. My next, my next pro here is about Lucky. So trust me, you can run over. Uh, it's let it's me that, get my uh, beer. Okay, I'm ready. It it's that uh, barbed wire frisbee is just about the most lucky thing we have seen yet. So it's a pro because, yep, that fits. That very much fits. Um, okay. I love that on Bobby's list of pros, when he's trying to convince them that they need to have their carnival, the very bottom of it, did you take note of what the pros were, Mark? I saw possibly fun. I, I saw I saw them, but I didn't write them down, and I knew I should have, but I didn't. Uh, what is there it? Was like, there was like a bunch in there like, um, um, it's, it's not boring, <laughs> it's not this, it's not that. The very bottom it says making friends with carnies question mark. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. Um 
the pro here is that this is a perfect textbook textbook example of why you need to guide your children and not direct your children because you can guide mm. your kids and let them fall and make their own mistakes and let them do shitty things on their own and then be there to help them out when they do that or you can direct them and put ideas in their head and make them feel super guilty for shit that they had nothing to do with like God, this this Pope is just the fucking worst, right? Oh, he's a pissed off. He's a he's a he's a white dude, dude. White people are the fucking. I've said it before. I'll say it again. White people are the fucking worst. Those assholes that decides people are having too much fucking fun. How can I make a buck out of making their lives misery? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my last pro here is some comeuppance for Pope, and it's that he is a quote unquote doctor, and yet he doesn't have a job that has health care or benefits. So if you went back to being a produce wizard, Mark, you'd already be doing better than him. Probably because he's terrible at his fucking job. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it, it, those, uh, it's also, those are it's also pros. the idea of, I also kind of like how, remember how we used to kind of take the piss out of higher education. I don't know about you. When I told my family, I got a scholarship for theater. Um, they kind of like balked at me and they're like, what the fuck are you going to do with that? I'm like, I don't know, but you're the assholes that keep saying I got to go to college and these people are going to pay me for it. So yeah. I kind of miss that a little bit. Like, you know, what you're doing, what you're doing is admirable. And at least we can come down on that end. Like, there is some higher learning that is admirable and worth it, you know? For sure. But, like, also, but this is the other, but, you know, Pope is the other side of that coin of, like, just because you can fucking stay in college for 10 years doesn't mean you should, dog. Like, just go join the workforce, go hang out with Anthony Page in your little single, like, two-bedroom apartment at the Casa Linda, and you and Twig Boy can braid each other's fucking pubes and call it good. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, For the record, I wouldn't be getting a master's degree if I could do what I could, if I, if I could do what I'm doing without. The only reason that I'm getting this degree at all is not for the merit of having a master's degree, it's because the only way they'll let me do it and I can make money at it is if I so, Which is no, good. Academic you. rigor used to be a thing in this fucking country. It used to be a thing in general, and I'm glad that you have to do this because, quite frankly, you are a very powerful person in a position of power that can totally devastate and destroy people. You should learn a little bit about how a fucking human works, you know? Like, you oh, can't. Yeah. At least your shit tells you you need to do a thing, and I really appreciate that. But I also appreciate you because you're not doing it for the accolade. You're actually doing it to help people, you know? Yeah. The same, You know, tangentially, the same way that Josh is doing all this Greek theater stuff. Like, is he helping people? I don't know, but he's helping us understand the past, and that's more important, I would argue. Especially his, like, you know, focus on fragmental theater, and it's like what can we get out of just the tiniest little bites of food? How do you make a meal out of this? And that's important too versus this shit. And it's like, we, it's a, it's a fly by night course that we made up overnight. What they used to call it a underwater basket weaving, you know, it was like, yeah, everyone said, you got to get a degree, get it in that. If you want to, it's like, fuck, I'm sure that somehow underwater basket weaving is important. Teach it to the mermaids. I don't know. I'm <laughs> rambling. I'm sorry. Good, I, my good. point is I'm proud of you and I respect I respect the hell out of you for doing what you're doing, John, and I'm fucking proud of you, bud. Appreciate it. Well, hey, give me some cons because we got to start digging into this awful B story here. Oh, before that, please have another beer because I'm so upset about it. <laughs> um, con number one: Bobby is now dressing like Kevin Smith. He's got his long short pants. Oh God! Thank you for that. <laughs> Jorts, Bobby. No one wins.
extra long short pants. It's actually, uh, here, spoiler alert, guys. That's a favorite moment of mine. Just the concept of extra long short pants. I just... There's a sideline in King of the Hill where Bobby gets way too into Kevin Smith movies, and we didn't get to watch it, but I'm really bummed about <laughs> this, that one. Honestly, the extra long short pants and the Kevin Smith of that, that should be a retro rage, because he doesn't even wear those anymore, does he? I don't know. He, no, he looks good now. Like, he wears yeah. human clothes now because he lost all that weight, but like... But this is something from like mid to early 2000s that you'd see like Fred Durst wearing extra long shorts yeah, like you... that. Yeah, you remember Jinkos? Like, uh huh. Yeah, oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird episode, dude. Um, it's a stupid con, but I'm calling it out. Peggy is so excited about Hank and Bobby. Her, you know, her men doing their jobs, being the bosses. She's gonna make more bacon, and then she makes that bacon in like ten seconds. Fuck you, Peggy <laughs> is not a wizard who can cast the bacon for nothing spell. You can't right. make me believe that she is. Con. Lucky. Now, I want you to take a guess, because I made hatch marks here. How many times did I write Lucky as a con, Johnny? Um, I'm going to take a conservative estimate here and say seven. I think you have seven tick marks there. Oh, baby, you hit it right on the nose. Lucky Woo! number seven is our unlucky number, because fucking Lucky is here. I hate this B-plot. This isn't a B-plot. This is stupid. This is... Why do we put this in here? Why do we need this? Why is any... Is it because you can't have fucking element or middle school kids, you know, all horned up for white guilt? Yeah, probably. You need to break up the action. But holy shit, can anything else be done? Can anything else be done, John? Maybe maybe Peggy wants to get back into the teaching game at Landry. I don't know. Anything else. Anything else, dude. But, like, this is what How they give money? us. and. How much huh. how much money did Lucky 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 get for saying two words the entire episode? No hospital. The whole fucking episode. That's yeah, basically you, all Petty. he says and he got Tom Petty got paid for a whole episode of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. Uh, Tom Petty is the pope. What's the guy's name? Jeff Pope? Tom Pope? What What's Pope's first name? Did we write it down? I don't remember. William uh, Pope? I I've got know. it in here. Uh, Terrence. Yeah, Tom Petty is the Terrence Pope of being a piece of shit this episode because he's just making that paper. Fuck you. And that goes, and you know what? That's on top of all my other fuck yous to Tom Petty for lucky. I'll never forgive you, dude. I don't care that you wrote Texas Flood. Go. I'm glad you're fucking dead. Um, that was Stevie Ray Vaughan. All right, I take okay. that back. Yeah, which one do you like that Tom Petty did? I'm sorry. Um, free fallen. There you are. Oh God. God it's okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Um. It's a Peggy line. All of Arlen is here tonight. Yeah, Peggy. All one hundred thousand fucking residents of Arlen, Texas, are in this little tiny gymnasium. That doesn't even look like half the school is in that gym. Right. I just okay. Fine. And then my mind cut to like. See, there's your B plot. There's your B plot. Fucking Elvin and Mud Dauber are trying to get Lucky back into his degenerate lifestyle, right? And what's the best way to do it? You steal a line from The Simpsons and you get everybody in town to attend a town hall meeting. And Snake runs out like, I can't believe they're all there. <laughs> and so, like, Lucky doesn't <laughs> go out robbing. That's how you do it. I don't fucking care. But it's better than this shit. And I I hate this B-plot, dude. I... And it makes the guys bad too. Other than, other than, other than 
Boomhauer gets the line before they go into the bar and goes, time <laughs> to play the dang old most dangerous game. Okay. Dang old hunt's on, man. Okay. Okay, fine. Okay. Mm, <laughs> fuck you. Okay. Mm, fuck you. Um, other than all the like, blatant moments, cons buddy. that we could point out about like all this shit, that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, fuck this episode as a general rule. Um, yeah, just, just fuck it, man. Just fuck it like that fucking carny fucked that goat and that's why it fell off the truck. We can, we all know that that happened, right? <laughs> yep. That's why he's got the bandage on his face. The goat kicked him. That's what happened. <laughs> How about you, man? Um, oh boy, do I have a few here. So oh, we're going to start with the first one here. The entire underlying theme of generational shame when these kids had nothing to do with anything, that is a huge con. Like the I, whole concept and people that push that narrative. You and I have beaten this into the ground already this episode, so I'm not going to go into detail here, but it's a con. It's definitely a con because it gave somebody the idea that, yep, we need to make people feel shittier about this. We can still keep doing that. Um, The rest of these cons are, are tangentially related to the B-plot. I think that I am done with Luann. From here on out, okay. I am done with Luann. She is going to be white noise when she's on the screen. She's not getting my attention. I I can't do it. I just can't do it. I don't even know what it was in this episode because I, I'm just tuning her out at this point. Other than I know that she asks them for help with Lucky. That's uh, all right. I know what your main point is for being in this episode, but I don't know anything you said. I don't know any of your lines. You're not quotable. You're not memorable. I'm done with Luann. She's white noise. Probably will be white noise for the rest of this series. Um, It's the only way that I can continue to watch this and not get fucking pissed off. Is it this one or last or, or last one is the one that made you fall off? It was this, it was both. It was both. The fact that I watched them back and forth because I railed on last, the last one earlier in this episode about her corn holders and mm-hmm. her miracle balls or magical balls or whatever the fuck it was. I'm done. I'm just done yeah. with it. Like, I don't need you. I don't need you in my show anymore at all. You can just disappear. Um. Anyway, moving on. The My next one here. The idea of living one second of my life, one second in my entire life covered in that much Vaseline is disgusting, let alone falling asleep covered in that Vaseline. Because you know that he didn't have time to, to slip it all on himself when he jumped out the window. So somewhere along the line here, Lucky is sleeping with Vaseline covering himself. He's just coated at any given moment in Vaseline. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. Uh, as is my next con, drinking mouthwash. Like, yeah, wow. At that point, just like get, just get horse, right? Just like drink a bunch of whiskey. It basically, yeah. Okay, you, you got a real huge problem? Just go boost some fucking shots. Like, do it, do it like the real redneck trashy way. No, so th- those are my cons. Like, it's mostly about this B plot here. It's unnecessary. It's gross. It makes me feel gross. I, I, I can't stand to see these two characters on the screen anymore. I just can't do it. Um, I hate the bit about the watermelon. That's just fucking stupid. That's, that's what I think did it in this episode. Thank you. I told you, I couldn't remember a single thing that she said. And I think I wrote that con down the second she said, I swallowed a seed. I don't want a watermelon, baby. Nope, I'm done. I can't. We're going to load this baby no matter how it comes. I can't do a good lucky. 
That's why. No. Fuck Lucky. I can't even do a good Lucky. That's how much I hate him. <laughs> I, I'm very interested to see what happens. when There's at least the, the Gracie episode, the Gracie birth episode that we're going to see, where mm-hmm. they're, they're going to have to be a focus here. And how are you and I even going to discuss this? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Objectively, Guys, through a retrospective a rewatch week. style. <laughs> yeah, it might. It just might be a short week of Dangle podcast. You know what's funny to me is like Luann is kind of you know you watched enough Family Guy you know Bonnie Swanson Joe's wife how she's yep. like pregnant through the first like twenty seasons. Yeah, and then like even Peter yells her like you've been pregnant forever either have the kid or don't. Luann is the reverse of that. Like Luann's been pregnant now for like a year I think at this point and she still looks amazing. Right. I don't know. Not even showing. I hate that shit. (laughs) Since fucking Peggy Horror Picture Show, dude. Like, (sighs) yeah, like that was last season. You know what I mean? Like at this point, canonically, I get it. I get it. This is all a fucking fever dream because we had that Hungarian restaurant in McManorberry, whatever. But ugh. so I want to circle back a little bit here. And Cotton's plot, we got really mad at how badly they did Cotton's death. Is this episode redeemable? So, obviously, we're cutting out the B-plot altogether. Fine. Um, But, like, with the A, is the A-plot redeemable, or does it just suck? Can you make the A-plot good? Because I think there's some good A in there, but not a lot. Do you know what I'm saying? Honestly, if it was up to me, this whole episode would be cut. And I, I tell you that because the quarter or third of it that is the b-plot is already cut to the ground and the probably another third of this episode is is a fucking play-by-play we've seen already this idea and this concept of hank needs to teach bobby how to be a boss we've already seen we've already seen bobby get into this jam a million times and hank has to bail him out or he has to find him like find a way to make this work He's made a terrible decision, and all of a sudden, at the very end, we get the 30-second, cool, everything's cool now. By the way, we fixed it all in the last 30 seconds, because we just had to. No, we've, we've already seen it. I, I don't need another episode of that, so I'm cutting it. I'm, I don't think it's redeemable. I, I Okay. This is never making it past, past the initial editor or even the pitch room for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, we already kind of got it in how I learned to love the Alamo. Um, yeah. It's a rehash. It's a bad rehash of a not that great episode to start. Okay. Yeah. I, Because I'm trying to put it, I don't know. I, again, I get retrospective rewatch, but like, also you and I kind of, we went through college with this shit, dude. I don't know about you, but I got really sick of hearing about what a piece of shit I was because of my forebearers, you know? Yeah. And interesting i guess maybe topical for the time because i also think this is when this kind of started up a little bit but like i don't know i i don't know bear the burden of shame of your ancestry but at the same time it shouldn't occupy your daily thoughts and motivations i don't i don't know the the, the whole the whole point of this is guys unless you are actually out there and and like repressing and racially profiling and just being the biggest piece of shit in the whole world yeah, your ancestors probably did something really fucking horrific. You don't need to pay for it. Especially if you're just being a normal fucking human now. Yeah. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier of like, this is a tactic. It is used to divide all people all the time, always. 
look at the bigger picture. Yeah. It's the corporations that are against you. Um, so, oh, favorite moments, I guess? I don't know. Where Do, do you have a favorite moment really, this episode? I, I've already kind of exhausted all three of them. So extra long short pants, um, Clark Peters' song to Joseph, and mm. Boomhauer's line of, dang old hunt's on, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's it. And then it's there's not a lot to love in this episode. How about you? Did you find anything that stuck out to you? Oh yeah, I already said it. I don't want to be a Jew. <laughs> I know I'm not allowed to like okay. that. I know that's so bad, but I love I love that fucking Ramon Just dude. Ramon Alejandro Ramon. is it's, it's one part of the better characters. Too. That too. Tangentially, or side note, we didn't name. It's the black kid that says I'm a Starbelly Sneech. Do we have a name for him or no? Um, I don't think he's in here. No, because we have okay, Clark, yeah. Clark Peters, Stuart Dooley, Ramon, Emily, Don Thistle, who is the head of the students, um, student council. But that's yeah. it. Yeah, his character's name is Harold Conrad. He's Hermes Conrad's great, 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 great grandpa. I love that. Okay, that's great. Keep it in. Cool. <laughs> when did he repatriate to Jamaica, though? That's huh, that's a thinker. When they started producing bamboo boogie boots. All right, I'm in. Let's do it. I fuck this episode. Let's rate it. <laughs> um, I, I think I originally had this as a butane, but it's just making me angry to talk about it. It's a megalo. It's a megalo. Okay. It's super preachy. Even in today's culture, this episode is way too much. This dude is is he's a poor piss poor example of what it's like to go into a a school that's got issues or not issues in this fucking case with diversity and just throw everything to the fucking wind. Um. And really, he all this guy did is he made a bunch of kids feel really shitty for no fucking reason. That and we watched Lucky re- literally run around like a fucking oiled pig all episode. So, yeah, nope, it's a that's a megalo for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to be a Jew. And Clark Peters' song I, are the little golden kernels that that keep it from a charcoal. I that's feel it. so bad because I keep laughing at that, but goddamn it, it's so it's no, it, so funny. It the is his is delivery. Like, it's. It's for me, it's his delivery on it because it's he's yeah. not saying it to be shitty to Jewish people. He's saying it as like an eight-year-old kid that just, just got told like, well, guess what? This is what you are. You have to deal with it. But I don't yeah. want to. I just want to say that Mark and Johnny are not anti-Semites. If you have a problem with this, please reach out to us. Also, I just fucking said if I could be part of one group, it'd be the Jews. But yeah, whatever. That is, that is true. <laughs> Um, what did you give this guy? It's a megalo. Fuck this episode. I hate this episode. But it's not a charcoal literally because of Clark Peters and I don't want to be a Jew. That's it. Yeah. Also, okay. Okay, also, also, also. Okay. Um, And the, the, the Dangle podcast catalog, you and I will come down on the side of good episode endings. This is a good episode ending. I like yeah. that Hank is genuinely proud of Bobby. Um, There's a bit about... I don't... Okay, so I don't necessarily like the idea that, like, you shouldn't take credit for a thing that worked. Take the accolade, but don't go seeking him. Sure, sure. Yeah, Bobby did technically earn that, and the idea that he doesn't want to embrace that is, that like, that's the wrong message. But... No, I I like that. I like that he's like, nah, whatever, man. Like, he did a thing, it almost blew up in his face, but, like, it kind of, you know, pulled out at the last minute and worked out thanks to the parents, because cooler heads prevailed, but, like... I just, there's that little bit there, the, yep, yep, I like that. I like the ending quite a bit. It's a good ending. 
it's a good King of the Hill ending, I guess is my point. Okay. So, if nothing else, we can also take that. It's not a charcoal. This episode isn't a charcoal, but I'm not putting it back on. I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, we'll skip it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. Well, buddy, let's, um, let's get out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. We do have that all-so-important question, though, before we leave, and that is, Mark, do you still like King of the Hill? Boy, they're making it tough. I need a definitive answer here, damn it. Yes, Johnny, I still like King of the Hill. How about you, buddy? Thank you. Mark, I uh, I still very problematically love King of the Hill. It's okay. We all we all love things that are are mean and cruel and terrible to us sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're getting out of here, but before we go, we want you to come come chat with us. Uh, we are at the Dang Old Podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We've got a group there. Um, you guys ever want to get a hold of us, you can reach us at dangoldpodcast at gmail.com. You want to reach out to me personally, I am on Instagram at krautball. That is kraut as in sauerkraut and ball as in Swedish meatball. Mark, where can the rest of these lovely people that are listening to this listen to more of you? If you want to listen to more of me, because you want to hear about how badly I don't want to be a Jew, but I do want to be a Jew, by all means, please go to... I almost plugged the Dangle podcast. Uh, please go to the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, a uh, weekly cinematic review podcast where me and our buddy Brad and sometimes Johnny, while we fill in gaps in our cinematic knowledge, we are now firmly solidified into our ooky spooky season of Halloween, so ooh, keep an eye out there. I'm pretty sure Johnny is going to be on an upcoming episode when we do yeah. the thing. Spoilers. Um, or you can find me at the Two Wizards Podcast, the original House High Hammock flagship podcast, where me and my buddy Josh stare into that void so you don't have to. Again, we just discussed agriculture, and it is so trippy to me how these two aligned so well as they did. Um... If you agree with me, I'm not going to say if I pissed you off, because quite frankly, nothing I said this week can be taken as inflammatory or piss you off. And you got pissed off, well, you're the problem. Um, but maybe you are a lucky Stan, maybe, who just, he's just the best. I don't know. Either way, please, by all means, come talk to me over on Twitter at Marky Stardust. And um, above all, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for letting us be a part of your day. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again. <laughs>